I said, uh, for some of us, yesterday was Christmas. I know that many of us celebrate Christmas on the 25th of December. And for others who have done research, we got theologians in here, people who know that um, Jesus possibly came at a different time. Amen. Um, no one knows for certain when he came. Um, but if you're like me, you're grateful that he came. <laughs> Amen. 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 Um, and, you know, I say that not to offend anyone. Um, none of us know everything. Um, but it's obvious the historians record that Jesus came. Amen. We know he came. And the obvious, you know, proof is that he's in me and he's in you. Amen. Amen. Um, and we are most grateful that Christ has come. He came as a babe um, and experienced and walked through this world. But Jesus did not just come to tour the earth for 33 and a half years. Nor, I say this not to jar you, but it's true, nor did Jesus come just to die on the cross for our sins and guarantee our inheritance into the kingdom of God. That's not the only reason why he came. Jesus came to sit on the throne of our hearts and to govern our very lives. Amen? Ultimately, that's what he came to do. Amen? Yes, when he came to pay for our sins, he paid for exclusive rights to lead his people. And by leading us, Jesus has restored order to the very people that he created. Amen? So I would submit to you, yes, emphatically, Jesus did come to die on the cross. Jesus did come to redeem us. Jesus did come to free us from the wrath of God that we all know that we deserve. That is true. But I would also submit to you that Jesus came to rule. Amen? Amen? A misunderstanding of this truth is not only to misunderstand God, but also to not rightly understand yourselves. I want to speak to you today from the title, Dethroning the Imposter. Dethroning the Imposter. Uh, there's a word that we are using nowadays, the word autonomous. It's a word that we throw around nowadays without any real understanding of its very serious implications. The first definition of the word autonomous is a country having the freedom to govern itself or to control its own affairs. Nowadays, we are using this word that concords more so with its second definition. And that is more so in line with reactive autonomy, which refers to actively resisting, uh -huh, trying to be independent of the other person. Mm. In other words, feeling like the director's of our own lives and living according to our own interest and our own values. Let me give you an example of this. There was a country or a city, should I say more accurately, city by the name of Babylon. Babylon. Um, it was an enormous place. 200,000 residents in ancient time. That's huge. It's like 
being in ancient times and running into New York City. Huge. Amen? This city, this group of people, the Babylonians, they claimed to be autonomous. Here's a little brief history on Babylon. Babylon's name means the gate of the gods. The gate of the gods. Babylon is called the most ancient city. They were the first. Amen? They made considerable contributions to, uh, in the area of mathematics and astronomy. They had developed a system for writing and recording history. They built a great city full of temples and architectural structures. They were successful in trade. The economy was booming and strong. They were successful in battle. They defeated most, if not all, of their enemies. Amen? And it was the first great civilization of the world. One thing to note, and we'll come back to this, there was a king by the name of Hammurabi. And Hammurabi was the first leader to write down the laws of the land, and they carved the laws on stone pillars inside this massive structure so that the people would know how to govern themselves. Because before this, the folks would try to memorize things and just walk around making stuff up. It says in the law somewhere that I can do this. <laughs> Amen? And they did whatever they wanted to. So King Hammurabi wrote things down made sure that the laws were written down where people would know where they were, and these laws were strictly enforced. Amen? There was another successful king after him because the first version of Babylon fell, and then he had the Hittites that came, and the Kazites that came, and eventually the Assyrians came, and then uh, there was a big revolt, and eventually after that, there was another guy that came into power by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. We know that name. And Nebuchadnezzar, when he came to power, he established what is known as the Neo-Babylon Empire, the new improved version. Okay? Rich, 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 rich land. Rich people. They were blowing up. Very successful. Amen? But after Nebuchadnezzar, eventually, Babylon fell. Amen? And I watched a lot of historian kind of uh, documentaries. Uh, asked my son, who is a resident historian of the Hawkins family, Jamie, because he knows a lot about history. And here's the thing. A lot of people will record this. A lot of th uh, uh, historians would say this, and it's somewhat true. Um, they would say that the reason that Babylon failed is because of weak successors. In other words, there were kings that came after a previous successful king who was not strong enough to take them uh, to the next level, if you will. Amen? Uh, but the Bible records a very different reason for the fall of Babylon. Give me Isaiah 47. This is going to be our main text for the day. It's going to teach today. Try not to yell at you too much. Babylon 47, starting with verse 1. This is prophet Isaiah speaking to Israel and the Babylonians. So Israel is in captivity under Babylon rule, and Isaiah speaks for God. And this is what he says. Come down and sit in the dust, O virgin daughter of Babylon. Sit on the ground. There is no, underline this, throne. In other words, your authority has been stripped from you. Get off the throne and sit on the ground where you belong. 
Amen. And that word virgin daughter of Babylon, that phrase there, uh, basically speaks of a young girl, inexperienced. It says, O daughter of the Chaldeans, for thou shalt no more be called tender and delicate. Tender and delicate virgin, kind of like uh, a teenage girl who has gone through life without experiencing any kind of thing that's kind of rough, you know? Uh, She's never experienced tough time. Uh, She's been under somewhat of a protective covering, and she has no clue of how good she has it. Amen? But now she's about to go through it. Amen? This is what God is speaking through the prophet Isaiah to Babylon. And it says, verse 2, take the millstones and grind mill. Amen? Uncover thy locks. Make bare the leg, uncover the thigh, pass over the rivers. You've been in an uncomfortable, you've been in a very comfortable place, and now you're about to be severely uncomfortable. You're going to have to leave from where you are. Amen? You've been comfortable, but now you're about to be moved out of your position of of, of comfort. Uh, Your your level of authority has been stripped. Your nakedness is about to be exposed. Verse 3, thy nakedness shall be uncovered, yea, thy shame shall be seen. I, the Lord, he's saying, will take vengeance, and I will not meet with thee as a man. Your weakness is about to be exposed for all to see. Your costly robes are going to be ripped from you. You will be left naked. All the nations will see you humbled in shame. Then he says, speaking to Israel in the midst of this captivity, praise the Lord, As for our Redeemer, amen, the Lord of hosts is his name. Mm -hmm. The Holy One of Israel. God, through his prophet Isaiah, is reminding Israel while they are in trouble that their only safety can be found in one place, and that is in God. Amen? It is in God alone. Even though they are enslaved and conquered at the moment, deliverance is coming. He's saying that I'm allowing this trouble for a reason. Amen? God will allow trouble to shape you. God will allow trouble trouble to change you. God will allow all these bad things, but his priority, his purpose in all this is that there's grace that's coming. Amen. There's mercy that's coming. Amen. There's a repositioning of, your, of, the, of the child of God when they're going through some things. They don't understand why God is allowing something. Don't lose heart. Amen. Because even in your trouble, God is saying, I see you. I'm still here. I'm still God. I'm still on the throne. I'm still capable. Amen. Deliverance is coming. Amen. Amen. Now back to the Babylonians. Verse 5, sit thou in silence and get thee into darkness, O daughter of the Chaldeans, for thou shalt be no more called the lady kingdoms, the lady of kingdoms. Amen? You shall no longer be respected. You will be treated like trash. And then God said something very interesting to the Babylonians, that the success that they've had In verse 6, he says, the success that you've had is not what you think it is. He said, I was wroth with my people. In other words, God was angry with Israel. Amen? I polluted mine inheritance. He allowed his people, his inheritance, the folks that that belong to God, he allowed them to go through some things. He says, I've given them into thine hand. Thou didst not show them, or thou didst show them no mercy? Upon the ancients, uh, hast thou very heavily laid thy yoke? The, uh, the, the, the Babylonians treated Israel with such cruelty. And God said, I saw it all. Uh-huh. And, and he said, you've laid a heavy yoke on my people. So the thing that God is saying to the Babylonians is Israel sinned against me. And that's the only reason why you have any control over them at all. You've only conquered them because why? I've given them, I've given them, I've given them into your hands. Here's a warning. Achievements have the ability to distort reality. 
They can make you feel like you're successful because you think you're most wonderful. They can make you feel like you're successful because you're smart. They can make you feel like, you know, you're okay with God because everything is going your way, not realizing that God is allowing your success to happen. And just because you're doing well doesn't mean that God's happy with you. Success does not always equal God's approval. God is telling the Babylonians at this time, <laughs> you're the world's superpower only because I said so. Oof. Although God must purify his people through judgment, his overarching, his overarching purpose is grace for his people for the people that belong to God. Amen? The safety is in God. But he's saying basically to the enemies of God, don't think you're running things. Don't think because you're on top right now that I'm happy with you. I could just be using you. Ooh, your achievements do not always equal God's approval. Amen? So, why did Babylon fall? Here we go. Verse 7. Here it is. Listen to the mindset of the autonomous. This is where we got to be careful, saints. Thou hast said, or and thou saidest, verse 7, I shall be lady forever, so that thou didst not lay these things to thine heart, thy heart. Neither didst remember the latter end of it. In other words, he's saying, you think you're going to be on top forever and you have not considered everything that you've done. You've not considered or thought through the consequences of this kind of thinking. Amen? Verse 8 says, therefore... Hear now this. Here comes God's judgment. Thou that art given to pleasures, thou that dwellest carelessly, that saith in thine heart, underline that statement. Watch this. Look at this closely. That saith in thine heart, comma, I am, comma, stop. You said in your heart, I am. Woo. <laughs> and none else beside me. I shall not sit as a widow, neither shall I know the loss of children. They believe that their future is secure. They say in their heart, I am. Keep going. Verse 9. But these two things shall come to thee in a moment, in one day, the loss of your children. In other words, he's saying, no, your future's gone. And widowhood, I'm shutting down your ability to continue. <laughs> they shall come upon thee in the perfection of the multitude of thy sorceries and for the great abundance of thine enchantments. A long time ago, the Babylonians believed in spells and magic and all kinds of sorcery and enchantments. The astrologers and, uh, and the enchanters were like the politicians and the scientists of their day. These people had platforms to sway the thought and influence the masses. Amen? They didn't realize that they were getting all the ideas <laughs> from demons who were lying to them about their future success. And never telling them, by the way, God is sending judgment. So they're listening to demonic influences and thinking that all these things are going well for them, not realizing that everything's about to come to an end. Amen? Verse 10. They say it again. For thou hast trusted in thy wickedness. Thou hast said, none seeth me. We're all alone. We're all by ourselves. We can do whatever we want. Thy wisdom and thy knowledge, which also speaks of verse 8, the witchcraft that they are into, amen, and the magic that they're doing, it has perverted thee. And you become puffed up. You're malfunctioning humans and you don't even know it. Amen. You can't even see it. And thou hast said, here it is again, in thine heart, 
comma, I am, comma. You see it? Now, when God says something that close to each other and repeats it, you got to pay attention. Amen? He's saying that they are believing that they are, they are existing because of themselves. There is only one I am. And that's God. Amen? That's God. He is the great I am. I will not boast in anything. No gift. No power. No wisdom. But I will boast in Jesus Christ. Amen? You see that? You see it? That's the problem. There's the core right there. That's the issue. Why did Babylon fall? Because they think that they are the I am. Amen? That's what they thought. Verse 11. Therefore shall evil come upon thee. Thou shalt not know from whence it riseth, and mischief shall fall upon thee. Thou shalt not be able to put it off, and the desolation shall come upon thee suddenly, which thou shalt not know. Wake up, America. It's the same kind of thinking. Amen? When we act as if God does not exist, there's going to be a problem. Amen? The destruction of Babylon is really a lesson for the people of God. No nation is autonomous. The self-defined autonomy at the heart of the Babylon or the Babylonians blasphemes God because the truth is all nations without exception are accountable to God. Amen? Amen. Now, here's my point. Babylon, as a nation and a superpower, and their former glory, that's no more. They're gone. Amen? However, the system of thinking uh, is still here and very alive today and is being perpetuated by millions and millions of people. Amen? Same thing. Just set it up. Ezekiel 27, 1 through 3. I hope you have your Bibles. Ezekiel 27, 1 through 3. The word of God reads, The word of the Lord came again unto me, saying to Ezekiel, Now, thou son of man, take up a lamentation for Tyrus, or some people call it Tyre. Amen? Tyre. T-Y-R-E. And say unto Tyrus, O thou art situate at or situate at the entry of the sea, which art a merchant of the people for many isles. Thus saith the Lord God, O Tyrus, thou hast said, I am, here it is again, a perfect beauty. He's saying you're situated at the right spot. You're at the edge of the ocean or the river, wherever, wherever you can do all kinds of trade and all kinds of money can come in. And you're saying to yourself, that's your most wonderful. They built, once again, a great and amazing city. They could do whatever they wanted to do. Why? Because they were successful. Amen? But if you read a little bit further down in that chapter, trust me, it's there, you'll notice at the end of the chapter that God starts to list their accomplishments. He starts pointing out how wonderful they're doing. <laughs> He starts to list things like, you know, they've, they've made great inventions and, 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 and they're, they're, they're way ahead of their time. The civilization is moving and moving in, in ways that, you know, they're, they're setting up stuff in conveniences, amen, in ways to live that are way beyond their years. Amen? Amen. It's kind of like, you know, God was sitting there watching the nation and saying, oh, look at all the wonderful things you're doing. That's great. Kind of like today. We have inventions. You know? The birds were given to us by God, and now we can fly. Huh? We got cell phones. We don't have cords in our phones. <laughs> you can reach me anywhere. Amen? God made the cheetah. Now we got cars. But now we got Teslas that drive themselves. Self-driving cars. Isn't that amazing? I can't even parallel park that good. I press a button. Have you seen it? It just pressed the button. 
Get out of my car and go. I don't even have to worry about it. The internet is everywhere. We got information everywhere. God is listing here in the 27th chapter all of their wonderful things that they have done. You know, we got, you know, we can go into the depths of the sea. We got submarines that can go way, way down underneath the earth. It's amazing. And then he says, look at verse 2 very carefully. He says, now, son of man, take up a lamentation. You know what that really means, literally? That means write a song, a sad song. Write a funeral song. He's basically telling his prophet, while you see all this accomplishments that they're doing, I want you to sit down and compose a funeral song. <laughs> wow. You know, include words like, you know, death, destruction, and disease. <laughs> Ooh, death, destruction, and disease. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Write that song. While everybody's celebrating all their achievements, you see this? This is nothing new, saints. This thinking is old. Adam acted as if God did not exist in in the garden. Did he not? Adam, he exalted himself over God. Adam did what we have all done. Decided that God's rule stops where our rule begins. In other words, God stops being God when we decide that we want to do something different than what God said. Whoa. Come on, come on, bring this home, Holy Spirit. This, in a nutshell, saints, is the basis of sin. Pride is basically this, the exaltation of self, as if God does not exist. Are you hearing me? A.W. Tozer, somebody been listening lately, he said this. The exaltation of self is nothing more than the imitation of Lucifer. Sin in its concentrated essence is being created to worship God, but sitting on your own make-believe throne and declaring that you are the great I am. And since I'm the great I am, I guess I could do whatever I want to do. Amen. Isaiah 14 and 12. Isaiah 14 and 12. Saints, what I'm trying to say to you is Jesus did not just come here to live amongst us. Jesus did not just come here to save us from our sins. There's something else he came for. Amen. And that is to rule saints. Amen. Listen to Satan's words. See if you see a tie between what was happening with the Babylonians. Amen. Isaiah 14, 12. Thou art, uh, how art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground? There it is again. Get off that throne. Sit on the ground. Amen. Which didst weaken the nations. For thou hast said in thine heart, there it is again, I will ascend into the heaven. You see, I will exalt what? My throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Hell is not just reserved for Satan. Hell is reserved for the people that think like Satan. Those who say there is no God. Those who believe there's a God but will not allow God to be God. Oh, somebody help me. The shocking thing about this, saints, is that sin, this sin of self-exaltation is a natural way for us to think. Yes, it is. And the only thing that is able to save us from this kind of thinking is the gospel of Jesus Christ where he, he shows us our sin. He allows us to see how we rebelled against God. We come into conformity with the truth. We realize that we are out of step with God. We are out of order. We are not in the right place. We're thinking that we are God ourselves. We can do whatever we want to do. I mean, think about it. Half of the stuff that I, 90% of the stuff I did, 
It was not because I didn't think God existed. I just kind of turned it off for a moment. Laying in bed with somebody I wasn't supposed to be with, like God ain't here. Getting high like God ain't here. Huh? Cursing folks out like God took a break from being God. Think about it. It's that momentary last where we just go, up, And then we come back to reality for two seconds. Come on. You know what? Can I be real today? That's the problem. When is God not God? The gospel saves us. The gospel lets us know that we were made to worship. The God lets us know that, yes, we are forgiven. But all these sins that we commit, they are rooted in the main sin. And that main sin is people who were made to worship trying to steal God's throne. The imposter must be dethroned. The imposter must be dethroned. That's the truth. Amen? No matter how good your deeds are that you do for God, if you're the one on God's throne, then your service, your sacrifice, and your offering are no better than the offering of Cain. Cain's offering was rejected. Why? He wanted to do things his own way. He wanted to do things his own way. I want to do this my way. God said there's only one way. You must do what I told you to do. You must do what I created you to do. Think about it. Children, obey your parents. Do what your parents tell you to do. Not because you like it. (laughs) Not because you always agree. And your mama will tell me it's my way or the highway. There's a way, saints. Amen? There's a way. We cannot be like Cain. Well, how's this, God? No. That's not what I said. You must do things my way. You're not autonomous. You cannot just do your own thing. Amen? Amen. Isaiah captured it well. 53. Isaiah 53 and 6. Isaiah 53 and 6. All we like sheep. Here it is have gone astray. You see it? We have turned everyone to his own way and thank God for Jesus and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. What happened? We owe Jesus everything. Amen? How dare we sit in his place of authority when he's purchased us? All people must realize that after every sin that we repent of, this is the main one. They all stem from this main sin. I am. I can do what I want. I can live how I want to live. God does not really exist. 1 Peter 2.25. 1 Peter 2.25. Restate it. For ye were as sheep going astray, but now are returned unto the shepherd and bishops of your souls. That's what it's all about. We have gone our own way, and Jesus came not only to die for our sins, but to return us. Are you seeing that? Are you seeing that? There's, he's bringing back order. Amen? He's bringing back order. Isaiah 55 and 7. Isaiah 55 and 7. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. You know, we can come up with some stuff, people. (laughs) We can come up with some ideas. We're creative. It doesn't mean we're right. Amen? Forsake your way. Forsake your thoughts. And let him, what? Return unto the Lord. This is what it's all about. Amen? And God is so beautiful. God is so loving. Look at it says here. And he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, he will, what? He will, for he will abundantly pardon. 
He will abundantly pardon. Jesus Christ paid for it all. But the situation is this, people. We got to realize that we are out of the way. We got to realize that we've done our own thing. We've got to realize that we need to return. We got to realize that God will forgive us if we turn to him in everywhere, in every area, in every way. Self must not rule. Self must get off the throne. Jesus will not share his throne with anyone. Jesus is loving. Jesus is merciful. Jesus is kind. He is rich in mercy, saints. And Jesus wants you to get up off his throne. Let me explain something to you, saints. Living your best life now really is living according to God's rule. Living according to God's standards. Living in a way that God wants you to live. Living in a way that you are purposed to live. Amen? So forgiveness is one side of it. But that's not all of it. That's the starting point. That's first base. In order to really live by God's standard, you've got to get off your own throne. Are you hearing me? You can't just sit all up on top of Jesus. Excuse me, Jesus. Scoot over. This is what I want to do. That's not what we're supposed to do. And some of us, we believe we are saved, but we're not walking according to his truth. We're not doing his will. Why? Because we're fighting for position. That's a lot of people, saints. I'm trying to tell you, what we do is we, we wrestle with God. Excuse me, I want to do this. No, 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 no. Wait, 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 wait. I'm on the throne. Stop sitting, all on, stop sitting all on top of me. <laughs> That's what's happening. We get in the way. We get in the way. Get out of God's throne. Get out of God's throne. We're not autonomous. We are bought. Here's the beautiful thing, saints. Christ is not insecure. He does not desire to govern us so that he can feel better about himself. He's already king. <laughs> Can somebody, he's already, does anybody, does that resonate with anybody? He's not asking you and employing you and, 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 and pleading with you so he can feel good about himself. He doesn't have some kind of complex. It's about you coming under his rule so he can save your life, so he can change you. He's trying to give you his best. He does this for you. He does this for me. He's not some kind of control freak. That's not what it's about. It's, he doesn't have issues, saints. It's about him saying to his creation, this is the way I made you. This is what's best for you. Come under my authority. Come under my, submit to my authority. Let me be the Lord of your life. Let me, let me sit on the throne. Get out the way. You're messing. You don't know what you're doing. Our finite minds cannot see as far as God can see. We don't know what we do. We think we do. We have our thoughts, but that's not the thoughts of God. And I'll say it again. The creation will abuse itself if it doesn't receive divine instruction from God. If you don't receive divine instruction from God, and you don't know why you're here in the first place, you're abusing yourself. A misunderstanding of God equals a misunderstanding of yourself and your purpose. One last time. A misunderstanding of God and who he is, what he came to do. Huh? Yes, he is merciful, but he came to rule. That will equal a misunderstanding of yourself and your purpose. Are you hearing me? We try a bunch of stuff that God has not ordered for our lives, not even checking in with him, not even praying and asking, God, what do you think? Feels like a good idea to me, but what do you think? It's a misunderstanding. Remember King Hammurabi? And I'm almost through. He was the first leader to write down the laws. They were carved on 
stone pillars so that people would know how to govern themselves in the kingdom? We have God's law written down too so that we would know what God expects of us. Amen? And I'm, I'm talking about a real heart change where you acknowledge God's sovereign rule. A real heart change when you decide, you know what? I'm not supposed to rule myself. God rules me. I see a lot of, especially a lot of young people struggle with this. This is a major issue. They've kind of grown up in this kind of, well, if it feels good, do it. You know, if it seems right to you, do it. You know, if that's how you feel, I guess that's how you are. You know, if that's how you see yourself, then I guess that's true. That's your truth. Live your truth. Be true to yourself. You don't even know yourself. (laughs) Think about it. It's a misunderstanding. Let me give you an example. You can get a violin from the Oakland Unified School District for a very small amount of money. Won't be that expensive. But did you know that there are some violins that cost millions of dollars? There's one called the Messiah Stradivarius. Amen? It's considered to be the most expensive violin on the planet with a value of $200 million. This violin is currently sitting in a museum in Oxford. This is a very, very valuable and expensive instrument. The designer and the makers of this violin intended it to be played in places like a concert hall where the audience can hear and appreciate the beauty of this beautiful instrument. You don't even need a mic to mic this instrument so you can hear it clearly because the detail and sound If it's in the right place, the detail and sound will be very clear to the audience if you play the violin where it's meant to be played, like a concert hall. Now, technically, you can play the instrument at a park. You could go to a baseball game and play the instrument at a baseball game. You could be invited to play the Star Spangled Banner or one day the Negro Spirituals (laughs) at a baseball game. You could stand up in the bleachers during halftime and get up and pull out your Stradivarius violin and play the violin in the bleachers. You could do that. Now, speaking of baseball, a baseball bat and the Stradivarius violin, that's $200 million, have something in common. They're both made out of wood. But no one in their right mind would take a Stradivarius violin and step up to the plate and tune it. Me, 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 me and wait for a 90-mile-an-hour baseball to come streaming over the plate and swing at it. Nobody would do that. Even though they're both made out of wood, no one would abuse the violin in that way because just because they have something in common. A baseball thrown at that speed would completely and totally Shatter that instrument. We must never, ever abuse the instrument that God has given us. 
An abuse of the instrument would be to use it in that way. Now, the interesting thing is, is that's what God's people do sometimes all the time. That's what humanity has done all, of, all, all along. We take the instrument that God has given us that has value, and we step up to the plate, and we do things that will completely shatter our lives. Are you hearing me, saints? Nobody in their right mind tunes a violin to destroy it. Are you getting it? We are not autonomous. We do not have the right to govern ourselves. That's what happens when imposters get on the throne. We tell Jesus, this is what I'm made for. This is what I'm here to do. Amen. Romans 3 and 10 and 12. Romans 3, 10 and 12. Very quickly. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. There it is again. They are t- all together. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. There's a hymn. It goes like this. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. The prayer is take my heart. Oh, take it. See, Lord, seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. In other words, God, you've got to close me in. Because my mindset is one that thinks that I belong to myself. I am prone to do this thing. If I don't have your Holy Spirit and your help, I will go off the path. I will lose where I'm supposed to. I will abuse what you've given me, God. I'll abuse the time. I'll abuse my body. I'll abuse my mind. If you don't help me, Lord, if I don't realize that I need your help. Luke 9, 23. Then Jesus said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. You seeing it? Amen. Matthew 16, 24, 25. Then Jesus said unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Again, first base. I believe in Jesus Christ. I receive salvation. I'm excited about the fact that my sins are forgiven. You've wiped out my past. You've wiped out my present. You've wiped out my future. All you can see is Jesus Christ's life superimposed over mine. Amen. You know I've done wrong, but you're choosing to forget my sin. You're choosing to take my sins and cast them as far as the east is from the west. You're choosing to do that. But that's just step one. The other side of this, saints, is that Jesus came to rule. Amen. The cross must be exalted in my throne that I have exalted for myself. I must get off that throne and allow Jesus to sit at the throne of my heart. Amen? Matthew 5, 8. We know it. You've heard it before. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This is basically saying that the one who has unmixed motives, the one who is not getting in God's way and determining who they are and what they should be and how they can be and whatever they want to do. The one who is not predetermined the thing, the one who's not fighting with wheels, or there's not my will against your will. That one, the pure in heart, shall see God. So here's my question. As I'm appreciating Jesus Christ for what he's done, as I am grateful to God for saving me from my sins, have I asked that question? Are there areas where I'm still sitting on your throne? Are there places in me, thoughts that go contrary to the truth? 
Have I decided it's going to be my way in this area? Have I decided that I could do my own thing? Have I decided? You know what, you know what that's really saying? You know what comes down? It just hit me. I don't know how much I can trust you, Jesus. That's what it really comes down to. Is your way really better than mine? I could say that, but is it true? We all have to come to terms with this. Every nation, every person has to wrestle with this thought. Deep inside me, there is this demonic, sinful mindset that says I'm autonomous. And the truth is, I'm owned. And I must get off God's throne. Dethroning an imposter from that. 